0: I think I'm addicted to a cycle of suffering. How do I break it? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're
1: therapists,
0: and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. Tyler how you doing? Doing great, man. Riding a high, even though both of us don't have a voice right now.
2: We're both kind of spent and exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we had our, our retreat, Rising Sun, the last three days or so. Yeah. Um, and part of the retreat is pushing yourself to limits. And so we've been doing all kinds of physical stuff, emotional, spiritual, um and i think tyler slept like a, probably like 3 hours in 3, in three days or something <laughs> it's yeah it's almost like boot
0: camp you know they don't sleep deprivation the whole time that's how you break people down emotionally
2: yeah so. but i i do want to just give a shout out to the guys that came that like right today this morning i'm just on a high um just because of them and just good men um men of god that who going to, who are doing good in the world. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for bringing your courage, your heart um your openness energy and your energy. It, it was really just, was life-changing it was awesome.
0: for us, for me and Brandon, it was life-changing and hopefully it was for you too. <clears throat> I do want to just genuinely and sincerely echo what Brandon said and tell every one of you men that I met this weekend that I, I genuinely do love you and really grateful to have gotten to know you this weekend. So um, we'll do another episode where we kind of break down the the retreat itself. But, uh,
2: I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful, Tyler, that, you know, we're exhausted. We worked hard over the weekend, but I, I come on the show this morning and one of my favorite people is here as a guest. <laughs> so, um, I, I, you know, I know Mele and she's, she's incredible and I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, If you would just give a little bit of background as to what's going on in your life and just a little bit of context and then ask us, ask us any questions.
3: So um, as you know, my previous spouse was an alcoholic and he still is. Well, like a year ago, I got remarried. Uh, My husband and I, we dated for a year and a half. Um, We actually lived right next door to each other. We moved in and we've um, shared a wall at the townhomes. Anyways, we've gotten married. We're now in a separation period. Um, This last year has been pretty rough. I think more so just the last probably three months have been the roughest. But um, as I've gone through so much therapy, so much trauma work, um, reading books, things like that you know, he eventually mentioned to me, you know, I think you kind of may have an addiction to suffering or something of the sort. And it wasn't until about three weeks ago that I finally saw some patterns because as the addict goes away, you're left with yourself, but you're left with a lot of holes that you don't know our holes. Mm -hmm. Um, I really honestly thought I was more in a thriving place, but kind of realized I was much more in a survival and not able to see some of the behaviors um, that come with the contention. Um, Almost like I have a hard time being happy and then may sabotage it somehow with discontent or something. And obviously it's not just me. It always takes two, but I can only really just focus on myself. And this is something that, um, as I still communicate with several friends on a daily basis who are part of the betrayal trauma group before it just seems like, we kind of have this pattern of discontentment and almost continual suffering because of these traumas we've been through. And it's like, how do we really break this cycle officially?
0: Tyler, do you want to start? It's a really, really great question, actually. And I think it's something that's really common. So I'm, I'm glad that we're being able to talk about this today. Um, could I ask you a couple of other questions first. Um, when you look at that pattern, if I heard you right, you said you're finding that it's, you would rather be in suffering than be happy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. What, what's behind that? Is it, why is that the case? Is it just because of what's, what's familiar or is it doing something for you? Is it serving a purpose?
3: Um, I think the purpose has been, if I stay busy Then I don't feel all of the emotions that came that are with the suffering. Does that make sense? And so, if I stay busy handling things with kids, if I stay busy doing things with work, if I stay busy, you know, all of these other things, and if it's not that, then I might get into an argument with my spouse um, to not have to essentially really feel and face those emotions that come with the suffering, I guess.
0: Sure. Sure. And I don't know if you'll know this off the top of your head, but when you say those emotions, are there specific emotions that are coming to your mind right now as you're talking, the things that you're trying to avoid or your biggest fears?
3: Yeah. It's kind of this just innate loneliness.
0: You're afraid of being alone. Yeah. And you're afraid that if you're in, in your own mind and you're not busy and you're not clinging to some, even if it's an unhealthy relationship, that that loneliness would be worse than anything else that you're taking on by living the way you're currently living.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, um, <coughs> my question, I guess, is what do you want? Like, what would you like in a perfect world? What What would you want?
3: um, I want to face this. I would love for, you know, my husband and I, we've not been with the right therapist and only this month, we finally have an appointment with one, but I feel like there's really not a lot of people that truly understand betrayal trauma and helping couples maneuver that. And I feel like this is something that really takes two Um, and him being able to understand and know like the signs of when somebody's triggered or, you know, things like that. But for me, regardless of him, I want to face this and break
2: the cycle. Okay. So I liked what you said at the end there, regardless of him, I want to face this and break the cycle. I think it's important to understand what this is. Yeah. Um so Melee, how how many times have you been married? This is the fourth. She looks up like I gotta think about it. (laughs) (laughs) This is the fourth time you've been married. Um have have you attracted healthy partners, healthy men into your life?
3: Um to no and then two
2: Mostly healthy, yeah. Okay, so you've kind of had a mix, yeah. Right, so some some really unhealthy, yeah. And I'm not saying this to like rip on them, and then sure. some some like, and, and and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, their hearts are good, and they want to be healthy, and um, and they are healthy in some ways, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um. So for, for men, um, you've been a part in those marriages breaking down as much yeah. as they have, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what, if, if you were to really look deep within yourself in this, these patterns, what are you searching for? What, what pain are you trying to cover up? Um, what deep down um, are is the problem. The issue, Melly, the reason why you keep like getting the same results in your life is you're not actually addressing the actual issue. And my, my favorite quote is the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. Um, the, the, that, what that means is, is the scariest places and dealing with those scariest places and finding healing in those places is going to shift your behaviors that are happening on the surface. So like your struggle with your husband right now, um, is happening, not because you guys just suck at communication or whatever it is. Right. Um, it's because deep down, both of you have these wounds that have not been addressed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, so for you to look within and say, okay, like, I've done a ton of therapy, I've done a ton of work, I've, you know, but still, I haven't faced those deepest wounds. And you don't have to share with the audience today, right now, um, but that's where you need to go. And then you need to ask the question, how do I actually address that? How do I actually face those wounds To so that they're, they're not the thing that creates how I resonate in the world anymore, right? Um, is that... Makes sense, Millie.
3: Yeah. And I think I know what the deepest wounds are and I've done a lot of work, but I don't, like you just said, I I don't know how to do different after, like even, even talking about it, even sharing it out there. I'm, I'm missing something, obviously. Um, they, the, I can tell you, um, and I don't mind sharing it's this innate, you know, I'm not worth doing things for, um, you know, my dad, we have a fine relationship now, but I mean, he would tell us growing up that he never wanted me and my younger brother. Hmm. Um, and so we did a lot of, I've done a lot of inner child work and, you know, addressing things from the past and things like that, but it just seems like this pattern and what I'm sabotaging is I'm not enough to work hard for.
1: And
0: that belief comes through not only in the way that the people you end up with treat you, but the way that you treat yourself in your own life and also in who you end up choosing to spend your time with. It's almost like, it's almost like what what I'm hearing you say is, and this is just a true thing, like about boundaries and things too, is we allow ourselves to be treated right up to the level that we believe we should be treated. And it sounds like you've been doing a lot. You've, you've kind of pinpointed and identified some of the places of the woundedness. And it sounds like you've done some of the work around some of that woundedness, but still in your heart, there's like this, there's still something deeply rooted, almost like it's almost like the default setting that just says you're still not worth working for.
2: Yeah. That's it, Millie. I mean, you went right down to it, the yeah. wound. And it's interesting I think that you've you've if if you find a man who does treat you like you're enough and um who is who is good and loving, then you sabotage that and push them away because deep down you feel like I'm not wanted or you find a man who can't love you and can't connect to you because that just that that just proves your your feelings true is like well I'm not wanted anyways and look that that proves that so so either end of the the spectrum in relationships it creates these attachment problems um and so coming back to what really needs to be addressed here is that belief now you know, in your head, I can say to you in your head, are you lovable? Are you desirable? Are you wanted in your head? You could say, well, yeah, I'm supposed to say that I, you know, I'm supposed to believe that, but in your heart and in your soul, there's a different story going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so, so the, I don't believe you can go to talk therapy and come talk to us on this podcast and we can talk about this wound and you'll, you'll leave here. Like, voila, it's gone. Yay. Everything's yeah. better. Um, something else has to happen. And mm-hmm. Tyler, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I was just wondering melee. Um, <clears throat> excuse me.
0: When you just kind of, if you were to just let your mind just kind of float back to any places in your life and just kind of mindfully look for this, has there ever been a, a time or an instance when on a core, deep, call it a body, cellular, emotional level, you felt lovable or loved just as you are? Have you ever had that experience before? Yeah. Yeah. When you when you allow yourself just to go there for a second in your mind and, and just relive that experience and just notice what goes on in your body. Where do you feel it the most? My chest. In your chest. Can you describe the sensation at all?
3: Just peaceful.
0: Peaceful. Maybe, maybe a little bit grounded.
3: Yeah. Grounded light.
0: Yeah. Open. Um, Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, good. So, so as you recall that and you feel those, those like, sensations running through your body now if you were to then just ask yourself a question about from this place of what you're feeling right now what would be your next step in treating yourself as if you were lovable i don't know Mm -hmm. what does that grounded part of you
1: say
3: I feel like it says I need to, I have to learn to accept what is and not always turn it and make it about me. And because of what is, doesn't mean that there's holes or deficiencies with me.
0: Hmm. Okay. Can you, could you explain that a little bit further as it relates specifically to your life? Is there some part of your life that that principle is speaking to?
3: Yeah. Like, Right now I have a daughter who's five, um a lot of trauma with you know her dad and stuff and him not being around. She also has ADHD and like really high anxiety. She's difficult. She's hard. Mm -hmm. And I take a lot of guilt and shame with her behaviors onto myself. And so sometimes when she acts out or is difficult, I can be more hard than I should. Um, Probably be because I almost punished myself for what she's going through. And it really has nothing to do with me. You know, circumstances around what she's going through are out of my control, but it doesn't really have anything to do with me.
0: Okay, beautiful. And on a good day, you can see that and you can feel that. On a bad day, it's the opposite. Nope, it's all me, it's all my fault. All that stuff. Um, one, one step in the right direction is just to recognize what you're experiencing right now. And when you notice, when you come become aware of that self-critical part that's taking on everybody's stuff, getting curious the way you just did, and getting grounded back to that place, and then and then actually practicing the surrender of that and saying this is reality. Like it's not, it doesn't mean it's me. It's causing all of this reality. Just that practice alone is a start and a step in the right direction to try to access that part of you. That's been sort of covered up by, by all of these false things that have become more of the norm and the habit. It's like, that feels like you, but it's actually one layer removed from you. It's, mm-hmm. it's just been trained so hard that it that it feels true even though it's not
2: necessarily the truth yeah why why are you separated from your husband um
3: things have just escalated the last through like three months um and there was a bigger argument that happened about three weeks ago and he just up and went and got another place and, and just isn't communicating very much. Um, I had for a while, I had just wanted to do like an in-house separation. Um, But that was,
2: help me understand that it's just conflict that you guys can't resolve. So it's just frustration and conflict or is it, is there like deep broken trust and um, that type of stuff going on?
3: Yeah. um, I mean, has anything major happened like an affair or anything? No, nothing like that has happened. It's just been I think he has a lot of fears from his past relationship. Um, When they divorced, the ex-wife filed. They had their house up for sale within a week. And it was just it's almost like they just bulldoze. And he's kind of just done the same thing. He's an avoider. And so he just runs. Um, and so he has a lot of trust issues, which he's manifested in our relationship and points it at me when I have not done anything to show that I'm untrustworthy or anything.
1: Okay.
2: So, I guess, Mele, as you're talking, I'm, I'm wondering, it sounds like he's he's running away yeah um but but it does it does make me wonder about your side of the fence a little bit you know what in, in what you know in what way are you creating this and not just him um and and how are you creating this and not just him
3: um you know with him being avoidant and I have anxious attachment and you know a lot of betrayal trauma and and things um when he runs, I chase, right? Mm. And so then I could become very overwhelming. Um
2: and what does that chase look like?
3: It could be excessive texting, calling, you know,
2: things I like see. that. Yeah. Wanting to fix it, wanting to make sure it gets yeah. right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. Where he takes an over extreme position on avoidant and it can last for days. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't, to me, this is like a, this is probably really been the catalyst piece and you can't, you can't build security without the behaviors of security. And so if we're both resorting back to the avoidant and the anxious, it just kind of piles on top of each other.
2: Yeah. So I want to come, I want to kind of tie your wound that you talked about earlier together right. with with kind of the outcome of what's going on in your life right now. Um, that anxious attachment makes perfect sense considering the wound that you have.
3: Yeah.
2: Right? And so the way you start to heal these wounds is you start to act opposite to what you've always done to try to run from the fear that those wounds have caused. Okay? Okay. So, um, and maybe you're already getting there with your husband he has his own wounds and he's doing his own health, unhealthy attachment stuff. Right. And, and it's easy to say, well, look at him, look at him. So now this justifies me and my fear and my, and and you kind of feed each other's crazy unhealthiness, right? If you knew that you were wanted, that you were desired and that you were okay unto yourself, you knew that and your husband didn't define that and his actions and behaviors had nothing to do with you feeling that you felt that independent of him. How might you respond to, to his pain right now?
3: I try to respond. I kind of go back and forth. Like when I'm in my secure self, I'm just loving and patient. And, you know, I say, you know, take the time that you need. We'll talk when you're ready. But then my anxious side eventually comes out after a few days and I'm like, holy cow, like we need to talk. <laughs>
2: we can't. Right, like he can really lock down into avoidance. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. I'm like, I've got a son here who only knows you as the father and you're not even seeing him. So this is this is a problem. And so when those fears and those angers come up, especially toward with my son, that's when I become more impatient.
2: Okay. Now are those fears, are they grounded in your wound or are they grounded in reality? Do you understand my question? Yes. I think both. Okay. There's a mixture. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So how do you. uh, To avoid the damage to my son and creating his own. Future fears
2: and traumas, but then fight,
3: still fighting my own.
2: From this, watching period. your son get wounded. In, so, so really, Melly, to differentiate this, you got to get present, right? Like in real time presence, there are wounds happening to your son, and and sometimes it's really hard to differentiate the trauma trigger and the reality. And this is where, like, bouncing it off of somebody that you trust and love. You can say like, yeah, no, this sounds like a real issue and a problem. And your emotions and your fears around that thing are actually really important. And you need to listen to them and act upon them Um, versus, whoa, you're way overreacting. Um, You know, you're definitely like showing up unhealthy with your attachment. And so um, if it's a trauma trigger You want to look at the fear and you need to deal with it with yourself, with your own self-care and try to let go in many ways rather than try to jump, right? Try to get him and wake him up. If it's not a trauma trigger, then you need to trust yourself and your gut and then act in an assertive, healthy way to address those feelings. Is that making sense? Yeah. Um, and so this is a tricky one because I am seeing both here. Yes. Right. Do you see that, Tyler?
0: Yeah, there's definitely both here. And then the other natural question that <clears throat> that Malay or anyone else would ask here is is then, well, then how do I discern between it just being a trigger, a trauma trigger versus something that's legitimate? And in this in the example that you just gave, there is some legitimate stuff here. Like if her partner is disappearing for days at a time. And she's still holding the space that she's holding and not over pursuing him. Like that is, that is kind of an issue issue. And she's going to have to make some decisions about how she's going to respond to that eventually.
2: Well, that's a boundary, right? So yeah. like if, if my spouse didn't talk to me for a week or whatever, um, I I'd, I'd need to have a vulnerable, honest conversation with her of how that works for me and what I'm going to need to do. In order to protect and love myself, because that that silent treatment, disconnection is as attacking and nasty in a relationship as being yelled at, right? Is as, yeah. as like being attacked. So sometimes more damaging. Yeah, especially and, and,
0: especially if you are in a spot like mele is, where her biggest fear is not being fought for. Like listen to what's happening is I have the biggest fear of not being fought for, or not being like good enough to to be chosen. So now I have to chase somebody just to stay close enough to them to avoid the fact that he might not actually be choosing but, me.
2: But Tyler, don't, don't feed her narrative that she gets her answer from him. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, he. I can see why it triggers her, like big time. And in those moments, Melee, that's when you got to say, I want a man who fights for my heart. I want a man who wants to connect to me and I need to know that I can stand on my own two feet between God and I, and really get that validation as a woman from God, um, and and then hope that my man does want to connect to me, right? So there's this balance there of that. Um, are we making any sense, Melly? What are you thinking?
3: Yeah. No, I hear what you're both saying. So I where I'm stuck is like, no matter what I do, I feel like he sees anything that I do as manipulation and control. Okay. And so as I try to figure out a boundary and how to move forward, one, I I don't know what that even is. (laughs) I don't know what's healthy at this moment because the avoidant is so extreme. And this is such an extreme response right now that we've not dealt with. Um, Like I can understand him needing space and wanting to communicate minimally, but taking it to the extreme of not seeing our son for so long is like, this is to me, this jumps to just trauma.
2: I, I got to ask you. So mm-hmm. I asked you, you have, You've had four husbands, two that have been healthy and two that have been extremely unhealthy. Where does he, which one is he, where does he fall in those two? Was he one of the healthy ones? Healthier. Yeah. (laughs) Do do you see why I'm asking? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to get to let's blame him and see how horrible and nasty and awful he is. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I think it's, it's important for you to, to take a step back and say, Who am I attracting into my life as my partners? And the reality is, is your attachment wounds uh, met up with each other. Do you understand what I'm saying?
3: Yeah.
2: And so now that's coming out in the wash. Here you are a year and a half later. Your attachment wounds are like, oh, good. You know, we can solve this together. And that's coming out in the wash. And it's important for both of you, both of you to say, when it comes to attachment here's my fears and this is how i'm extremely unhealthy and i'm going to go work on these specific things that are undermining healthy attachment in our relationship um and it's important if your relationship's going to work both of you have to do that work yeah right yeah Yeah.
0: As as you're talking i'm wondering you know i can imagine that he's saying you're saying that you get triggered and you don't know if it's a real trigger or if it's you know if it's just a trigger or if it's legitimate and he's over on the other side saying you're manipulative and controlling which when you're in that anxious space it does come across as manipulative and controlling and other times it might be that you're trying to figure out the right boundary to set but for him he's doing the same thing on his side that you're experiencing on yours. He's having this trauma response kick up. He doesn't trust you. And then you you maybe stay firm on your boundaries and stay grounded for two or three days, but then fourth or fifth day, all of a sudden I'm back into like, I better hurry and chase him down again to make sure that he's still here. And then all of a sudden he's right back in the same boat going, there you are, being controlling and manip- manipulative again. Yeah. Right. And so, so somehow we've got to figure out What where Brandon's going is, is that the answer to this is the inside out game to where you could go instead of three days of space, you could go indefinitely in that space, but then have the boundaries to go to him and say, hey, like, we need to at least be able to have some conversations. And and it's important to me that our son gets some time with his dad. Um,
2: And if that doesn't work, then this is what I'm going to have to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Melee my experience with you. Some has been to be able to talk a good game, and then sometimes when it w- comes down where rubber meets the road, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know, don't know if I can do this. It's really hard, and um, and and hope that he comes around, hope that he changes, so then things will get better, um, as opposed to you and and eventually I think you get to a point where it's like divorce, I'm done, I'm out. Right. But in that relationship, in that vulnerable relationship right now, you can have so much compassion for your husband and his pain and why he's disconnecting from you. You can see his, his fears.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You can understand that they're valid. Um, and you can still show up as an honest person. Who's going to, who's going to really be, healthy in your boundaries with him, right? Um, Not an attacking, controlling, I need to force you or I need to belittle you in order for me to step up here. But I love you. I see you. He can feel that from you. And this is what I need. And this is who I am. That's what's healthy. Do you know how to do that?
3: I'm trying. I guess with the situation I'm trying to find that balance. Um in he's a I'm just shocked that he would have ever done this in the first place. He's a great dad. He's very attached to his kids. So I'm surprised he would do this to mine. Mm. Um this is not like his behavior. Um mm. And so I'm trying to figure out what that boundary is to me, you know, I'm fine, not talking. I'm okay. Giving us some space and focusing on ourselves. He says he's not sure if he wants divorce. He's not sure what he wants. Um, And I'm okay sitting in this space, but not at the expense of traumatizing my son. Mm -hmm. And to me, I feel like, and I guess I can ask you the question, if that's an appropriate boundary it's okay to take space and for us to focus on ourselves, but it's not okay to take the anger out of my son and not see
2: him. Um, Tyler, did you have a thought? Oh no, go ahead. I was just, I'm thinking I'm going to go where you're going to go. So go ahead. Well, I don't know. I mean, what I, I, I you don't have control over that. Yeah. You, you don't have control over whether he abandons your son and hurts your son. That sucks. Um, but you do, so, so you can go to him and say, you, you can't just, just bounce out and leave our son hanging. You can't do that. That's, that's control. You're going to him trying to control him, right? Yeah. And that's not what I want to do. Right. So how can you, so, so your boundary is different than that. What do you value here in in a relationship and what do you need in a relationship?
1: Hmm. I value integrity.
3: It's, you know, having the experience of family law in my background, there are so many different ways that you can choose to handle a situation besides choosing the most contentious. Okay. And that is recognizing your behaviors and choosing to do something different. And so and because of the traumas I've gone through and the experiences of spouses, I really have learned good people make bad choices and, and make mistakes. Sure, It doesn't mean that they're horrible and that right. I have to hold this over their head. But how we choose to move forward and the integrity we choose to have says
2: everything about somebody to me. So if you were, I love what you just said. But if you were to say that to him, that would sound really kind of controlling and belittling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of like preaching down to him as to what he should be. Right. The fact. Are you following me? Are you yeah. okay with what yeah. I'm saying here, Mellie? The fact of the matter is, is you value integrity because. Um. Wh- why do you need a, a partner with integrity? I know I'm being annoying.
3: Because that ultimately brings trust in knowing they're going to mostly always choose to do right. Um, okay. okay and- I'm,
2: but I'm talking about you. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's so, say it again. well, what I'm saying is like, you're saying I need integrity. This is why I need integrity. Um, I'm trying to get down to that vulnerable part of who you are. And as a mom, as a wife as a as a, as a soul inside of you, who is melee right and you you care deeply about your son, right and it breaks your heart when he gets hurt yeah, yeah are you okay with him getting hurt? No, okay, so right there, just you're just not okay i'm not a I value my son's my son feeling loved and my son knowing that he is loved. Okay. So then your husband comes along and he does what he's doing and it's like, whoa, you're hurting him. Okay. You can't control your husband, but what you can do is you can communicate vulnerably what that's like for you. What you can do is you can say, you know, like I can forgive here as long as this is like a one-time thing or whatever. But if this continues, I'm going to have to do something to protect me and protect my son. Right? And there's this part that's going to come up in you that's the not wanted part. that's going to say, oh, no, you don't step up for yourself here. Because if you do, if you do, you're going to get abandoned, rejected. and are have allowed. another divorce on your hands. Right? Yeah. And so that part will undermine your empowerment to actually step into protecting who you really are. And who you really are is awesome and beautiful and amazing, but you have to, you have to actually live that. You have to experience that. You see what I'm saying? So you can turn around and and focus on him and talk about integrity and what he should be and why he should be that and all those things. But Melly, I want to, I want you to tap into you. You see what I'm saying?
3: Yeah.
2: And so, explaining
3: just the pain that I feel,
2: yeah,
3: and what I don't want him, what I don't want my son to feel. Yes.
2: Yeah, just explaining it. Go ahead, Tyler.
0: Yes, and then the difference is, is the example you gave of the boundary you might set is, I can I cannot talk with you, but I can't be I can't not have you talk with our son. Where Brandon's going is saying, go to him vulnerably and say it's excruciating to watch this happening, and. I'm not okay with him being rejected the way he's being rejected right now. And if you continue to do that, this is what I will do. Not, This is what you need to do is not reject our son. It's, it's important enough to me that our son doesn't experience this kind of rejection on a regular basis. And I'm going to
2: have to be willing to do some things to protect that for myself. Well, and, and it, it's like splitting hairs too, because it can look like you're controlling him with that.
0: Well, and it's yeah. really
2: it's really where your heart's at because if you're actually just protecting yourself and stepping up for you and for your son, it's not about control toward your husband.
0: This is this is something that I see, and I don't know if this is the case for you or not, Melae. But um, I see this a lot where where other factors, in this case, we'll just say the kids, and I'm not saying this is for sure, but maybe something to think about. It becomes almost a form of distraction away from the real issue where I'll be, I'll be working with like maybe another woman and she says, yeah, I really need to divorce him, but I have to stay for the kids because it's in the best interest of the kids. And what they're really doing is hiding behind their, they're not living in their own integrity. They're hiding behind this thing that says it's better for the kids when in reality, it's not really better for the kids to be in that kind of a marriage, like in a, in a relationship, but, but because she's so afraid of having her old beliefs, in, in this case, that feeling of not being fought for or not chosen hit, that it's better to choose to stay, experience the continual rejection, but do it in a martyr kind of a way, um, rather than just owning it and saying, yeah, like, I, I, I'm pursuing and I'm growing into where I'm going to be in a relationship where, where I can have enough of myself to give someone And I can be in a relationship where that person will have enough of themselves to give to me and choose me. And right now it doesn't sound like he is choosing you there. there, It sounds like there might be some other stuff. It would be nice to have him on here because there could be some other things floating out there too, that are causing some of this distance that he's putting on you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's a
2: lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd see God fighting for you. Like just that your husband abandoning you like this is exactly what you need um, and and th- this is what I think I think that these men and these relationships and the marriage is a distraction it's always it's always like just like stuff going on there that's causing the pain that's causing if I were you I would do hyper focus on I'm not wanted I would do I would do ART therapy around it Um, We just got back from a retreat, so we're big on retreats right now. But I would do specific retreats that address knowing who you really are to God. I would connect to the divine feminine. I I would do dailies. I would set dailies that help you feel that you're wanted every single day and that you're nurtured and that you're seen every single day. And that's where I would just focus right now. And having him out of the picture could be the biggest blessing that you have to do that right now. You see what I'm saying?
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and not like if I wouldn't suggest you go to couples therapy with him today. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I would suggest you do melee work today. Yeah. And and you start I, to set up a plan for that.
3: Right. Yeah. I've been doing ART um, recently. And have you
2: done it around that
3: wound? Yeah. Good. Yeah. But there's still there's more, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. it, It takes
3: time. But yeah, it definitely I believe the experiences come that a challenge you the most. And this definitely um has probably been the hardest challenge yet. I mean, with the alcoholic, it's you see it coming. Yeah, you know, and you expect it you know if they can't get clean it just is what it is with this one it was just
2: boom boom out of the blue yeah. yeah
3: yeah i mean there were things there you know that was a catalyst but to this extreme of a level i have a hard time wrapping my mind around it
2: and it's doing a lot of damage to the relationship yeah
3: yeah so i really appreciated This advice, I mean, has it given me a lot to think about?
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for being willing to come on and share so freely with your story and your own, you know, challenges and your own process. And uh, I know that we didn't give you a magic bullet today. You know, (laughs) (laughs) we 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 basically just probably said a lot of things that you probably heard several times over the years.
3: (laughs) You know, yeah, but that's part of it. Is it's. Eventually things click, Mm -hmm. you know, it, I think we've all had those epiphany moments when finally it clicks and it's sometimes, and oftentimes the things that you've heard over and over and over that you're finally in a different place, a different perspective, the emotions have shifted where you can finally feel them differently.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, melee, I, you know, I was saying you've struggled to like actually step up into those boundaries. Um, I've seen you be boundaryed. Are you I, I've seen you get there and step into that and one thing about you is you're resilient like you're you're so resilient and you you will fight through and stick through things and try to figure things out um, I just think there's this last missing piece to go as deep as you possibly can to heal these the darkest wounds and if you can apply your resiliency and just your your desire for learning and growth and um, and heal those wounds it's going to be amazing melee so um just you got to do that last little bit of work so yeah
1: You you
2: are you are moving towards
0: breaking that cycle that you asked about before but but the way that you'll move towards it is by stepping into the discomfort of the thing that you most fear like brandon said But I imagine I'm only getting one snapshot. I've never talked to you before, but if I were to have talked to you ten years ago, you'd be in a much different place there than you are now. And I imagine you're happier in the spot you are now than where you were before.
3: Yeah.
2: Thanks for coming on, Melly. Appreciate you. Thank you you so much. I
3: appreciate it. This is wonderful.
1: All right.